It's the True Penny Show with your host James True Penny. Hello and welcome to the True Penny Show. My name is James True Penny. This is my show, and today, in association with World Red Wrestling News, I bring you an interview with the Queen of Tokyo herself, Michelle Kane, who has written a book called Dramatic Dreams and Those Who Have Them: An Introduction to the DDT Pro Wrestling Universe. Um, this was a show. This was an interview I did with Michelle this morning. Um, I'm recording this on Sunday afternoon. Um, obviously, it was evening for her in Tokyo to talk about a fascinating book that she's written, which will prime you for everything that happens in DDT. Uh, we went great into the depth of the style of DDT and talked a lot about the promotion and what she sees for the future of the promotion, as well as the historic events that she's covered in this book. Thank you very much for listening to the True Penny Show today. We hope you enjoy this interview. We'll be back next week with some great... Um, but our good friends at 3W Wrestling took this interview first, so I, I, they graciously allowed me the audio. If you want to go follow them, they're at 3W Wrestling on Twitter. In the meantime, enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Worldwide Wrestling News YouTube channel. My name is James Troopany. I'm the managing editor of Worldwide Wrestling News. I know you are normally used to the dulcet tones of Steph Ranchome on this particular YouTube channel. So I'd like to thank Steph for letting me take over for this particular interview. And today I am talking to Michelle Kane, who has written a new book about DDT, uh, along with Matt Charlton, who's done illustrations. It's a wonderful read. I strongly suggest oh. you go have a look at it. Um, and it is about the entire deep dive history of DDT and a primer for new viewers as people are starting to watch DDT on a regular basis through Wrestle Universe. So, Michelle, thank you for hey. coming to talk to us today. Um, yeah, thank how are you so you? much for having me on. Yeah, yeah, it's all good. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yourself? <laughs> I'm fine. Thank you very much for asking. <laughs> um, so, usually when I've got somebody new that I've not interviewed before, the first and most obvious question is, how did you get into professional wrestling as a fan, first of all? Okay, so, like... I mean, I'd always been, I've always been a fan of wrestling ever since I was a little kid. Like, you know, when I was um, quite young, like I used to watch like WWF, like later WWE with my dad at home. And like, that was all like a fun time when I was quite little. Like, you know, like, cause I basically idolized like Shawn Michaels. Like Shawn Michaels was my first celebrity crush. <laughs> so like, you know, like even with the barbershop window incident, right? I was still yeah, on yeah. his side because I fancied him, basically, <laughs> <laughs> you know, so like, you know, so I lived through like kind of an interesting period for WWF, um, like in a little bit uh, of early years of WWE and everything. Um, but somehow, like, I basically ended up like, yeah, not watching so much wrestling after a while because, well, long story short, I got bullied out of it in a way. Like, I was just kind of like, OK, I'm getting yeah. bullied for various things. I'm going to stop watching wrestling and hope that I won't get bullied for that, at least anymore. Um, didn't really work, but hey. <laughs> but <laughs> when I got back into it, like, I started getting back into it, like, when I was in university. Um, because, like, I started, I, I discovered a website, a really lovely little website, uh, you know, WrestleCrap. Yeah. Yes, so, like, yes. the very worst of pro wrestling. Like, it was just yeah. such a fun read. And a lot of it was very nostalgic because a lot of it was like older WWF stuff that I remembered and everything. And it was just, it was just a fun read. And I was like, you know, trying to get, uh, you know, dipping my toes back into like, you know, getting back into wrestling. Um, unfortunately for me, when I was at uni, I had a not very nice boyfriend at the time who was just like, you like wrestling. Ugh. I thought mm. you were intelligent. You know, like, 
he was not a nice guy basically at the time but i you know because he was my boyfriend i had to be nice and like i was like okay i want what you're wrestling and then when i came to japan i was just like okay like you know just you new start in japan everything's all good and i lived there a couple of years and then basically like i got into wrestling in a kind of really roundabout way um so my favorite band is a japanese rock band called kishidan uh kind of an insane group of six lads who run around like with like big bouffant heads um, hairstyles and stuff (laughs) like that they got some fun dance routines but also some genuinely nice music and they were special guests at a triple six show that was held at shinkiba first ring and it was an all-night show that i did it was like a whole bunch of fun um what happened was this was kind of announced and like of course like you know it's just like oh it's a kishidan thing like okay we're going to go like who's this guy miyamoto something anyway so yeah i know it's just i did not know anything about wrestling at this point i was just like okay kishidan are going to be at this wrestling show i'm i'm going to be there too because i'm a big fan of kishidan and then i i got there and and it, I mean, it was actually quite a good time to be getting into Triple Six because it was a, at the time when a lot of DDT guys were taking part as well. Of course, at the time, I didn't know who anybody was until like, I kind of looked into it a bit later and I was just like, oh, my God, he was there. Ah, yeah. So I went to a show basically knowing very, very little about wrestlers. Although I had made contact with one of like, I had made contact with Onreal before the show. Mm-hmm. Um, because we were on Mixie and I, I was on a Kishidan fan community thing and like I was just saying like oh yeah I'm gonna I'm gonna be attending this wrestling show to see Kishidan and ended up being friended by Onryo on Mixie and like you know he was really really nice to me he was, like, he was so welcoming like you know just kind of giving me advice like about like you know ordering tickets for the show and you know during a show like he was like kind of uh, like really nice and then after the show like you know, he was telling me about other matches he had going on. He was like, okay, I've got this match at Big Japan. Yeah. And anyway, like when I was at the Triple Six show itself, I was just like, you know, so I started watching this thing and just kind of feeling like, it's been such a long time since I watched any wrestling. This is kind of nice, you know, like, <laughs> and I realized, you know, why I enjoyed it in the first place, you know, it was just, it was just actually such a nice, happy time. And like, with it being triple six, it was completely bloody crazy as well. So it was all kinds of <laughs> stuff happening, right? I mean, it was one of those shows where, like, we weren't allowed to take photographs in, like, certain matches because, well, in one of the matches, uh, Shinobu uh, got stripped naked, I think. Um, anyway, so, <laughs> yeah. And, you know, I was just having a really, really good time. And I was just like, you know, I almost forgot why I was there. And I was just like, when Kishidan came out, I was just kind of like, Oh yeah, they're here. That's <laughs> nice. <laughs> and they had a whole bit like you know where they were like in the ring um, with Miyamoto and like basically giving him permission to use One Night Carnival as his music. Yeah, and like that was a fun time, you know. Like you know, it was just you know, and then of course getting talk, getting talking to Andrea after the show and keeping in touch with him. I basically went from triple six and then after that i went to big japan which i did absolutely bloody no research for and that's how <laughs> i got my i basically saw i think it was jun kasai versus necro butcher or some such thing oh, and it, was yeah, just like, it was just like 
oh, what are these guys doing? This Kasai guy seems popular. Oh, my God, he's bleeding. Do they know he's bleeding? Oh, my God. Yeah, that was how I first, that was my very first death match. You know? <laughs> and I mean, it was just, it was like a baptism of fire. You know, like, I was like, and then, like, Miyamoto was also in a match at that show. And, like, you know, I saw him in the merch area afterwards. And he was still covered in, like, fragments of, like, light tubes and stuff like that. And when I was talking, when my voice was a good two or three octaves higher than usual, going, like, what? What? You know, like, I was just, like, kind of, I, I was, I enjoyed it, but I was kind of freaked out that I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, and yeah. then like it's after not... that, like it just sort of like you know it led to like other things. So like I started going to like other shows because guys from shows I had been to were also appearing on those shows, which led me to like lots of different places. Like I was like you know I used to go to sh um, shows basically in a basement in like the middle of Tokyo um, to what you know to watch like you know back in the day, styly before it became heat up. <laughs> Well, yeah. it didn't really become heat up. Like Stanley ended and then heat up started, and then you know I saw like quite a lot of really really tiny indies, and then like I also started going to Freedoms, where I met a really nice uh, girl there, uh, my friend Yoko, who's like one of my best friends now, and like uh, so I met Yoko at Freedoms, and she recommended DDT to me, and I ended up going to DDT like you know quite regularly like starting like you know maybe late 2010 or something like that and i you know so but the thing is so i actually didn't go to ddt i i went to union before going to ddt which is <laughs> normally it's took our way round you know so it's just, <laughs> yeah my route to ddt took a lot of really weird twists and turns but i'm really glad i ended up there in a way it's like i discovered a lot of like really tiny like other, other little promotions at the same time and like you know like there's just a whole world of wrestling out there and like i mean the problem was i like, well not a problem really but when i started meeting other wrestling fans here most of the other wrestling fans that i knew back in the day we were mostly new japan fans and i hadn't mm. landed on new japan yet so like i was like i was walking around like, I must have been wearing some DDT merch or something like that. And like some, I bumped into some New Japan sh uh, fans in Akihabara. And they started talking to me going, oh, you like wrestling? I was like, yeah. And then they tried to two-sweet me. And I didn't know what the <laughs> hell they were doing. I was just like, I was just sort of staring at their fingers, like coming towards. I was just like, what? What are you doing? <laughs> you know, and they so were like. So you managed to avoid Bullet Club in its entirety. You know? So you managed yeah, to avoid just, Bullet Club in its entirety. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's, <laughs> it's, it's just really bizarre, you know? Like, I mean, because I'd seen posters for New Japan on the train and stuff like that. And I was just kind of like, huh, it would be nice if we saw triple six posters, but it's probably not going to happen, you know? <laughs> but, you know, I mean, I, I was aware of New Japan, but I just hadn't really watched any, you know? Like, I mean... I knew, like, some of the, you know, I knew about, like, Tanahashi and everybody, but, like, I was just, like, I just hadn't watched any of it, you know, because, like, because I started with the indies, essentially, you know, so, yeah. like, I was just living in a in an indie wonderland, and in a way, I still am, you know, like, I still generally prefer, like, a lot of smaller promotions, and, like, even DDT, now, DDT is not as small as it was, but, 
it still has that kind of spirit of a small promotion in a way because like we're still even though they're owned like you know by cyber agent and like the whole cyber fight thing like they still kind of keep if they've kept that own spirit this entire time like this whole you know of course they love you know wrestling so much but they're also always looking for different ways to play with it <laughs> and they're very <laughs> experimental with a lot of things and it's like they're not scared to try new stuff you know like you know sometimes they'll try some kind of gimmick or some kind of joke and if it doesn't really land or like it's just not very popular or whatever they just sort of quietly drop it and move on to the next thing you know so you know, like, you know, so I think like, that's always kept me coming back to DDT. Like, you know, it's just, it's unlike any other promotion that I've ever really seen, you know? Like, I mean, there's definitely other promotions with kind of elements of the similar, similar kinds of things that DDT does, but nobody really does it quite like DDT. So, yeah. <laughs> okay, that was, a, that was a very long run on, like, tangent. I'm very sorry about that. Get used that's to it, though. Yeah. <laughs> I have tangents as well for you because it's something yeah. that will do the adolescent version of you yeah. will warm your heart. The last <laughs> person to be interviewed on this YouTube channel was Shawn Michaels. This week, Steph interviewed Shawn Michaels for the because it's the NXT pay per view this weekend. And uh, yeah, so oh, you're amazing. going to be appearing next to Shawn Tan- Tan- Michaels on your YouTube channel, on our YouTube channel, which would be pretty cool. Oh, wow. Um, Cool. <laughs> <laughs> our also, also our, our I, I can't wait to hear the reaction from this interview from our deputy editor John Dinsdale, who made his name as a deathmatch writer. Uh, <laughs> John Deathmatch on on and um he loves John Cassite and that, that's an amazing story. So your first PG to yeah. your first just, I'm gonna go to a rest of the show. This <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he does he does the 30 days of Halloween, which is 30 deathmatch reviews in 30 days. Oh excellent. Days. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, oh, I can't I can't wait for him to hear yeah. this. Yeah, John's there, and he's also from the northeast. There you go. So, oh, yeah. but- yeah, yeah. Um, so it must be kind of like an, an attraction to the northeast. But there we go. Um, I was going to ask you what drew you to DDT as a fan, but you've already answered that question before I asked it. So yeah, my next sorry about, that. about <laughs> <laughs> So my next question is is about the book. How mm. did you decide in the twenty odd year history of DDT, if you've taken like the previous careers of people and one thing or another, how did you decide what items to keep in and what was the important things for you for the story of DDT? Because it's a long and convoluted story of, of oh, wrestlers God, yeah. and, and people coming in and out and a dojo yep. and yeah, all of these things and different titles. And DDT oh, God, yeah. isn't just a wrestling company. It's kind of a theater company with sports. It does. Yeah, yeah, it's got a lot of different parts to it. And like they all sort of like kind of all meet up together to create this lovely mosaic essentially (laughs) and like I mean the thing with writing about DDT and like well I think it would be the same for like a lot of promotions but because I wanted to focus on the main singles belts so like you know so of course this time I wrote about the KOD Openweight Championship and the Extreme Championship and a little bit about the Iron Man Championship because come on that's just fun to write about Um, but (laughs) I, I wanted to focus mainly on those two belts. Um, I do eventually want to write about a universal championship. But I just felt like it was a bit early to be writing about it. So like I just focused on like those two belts in particular. Um, so but one thing that like I did struggle with, I mean, well, actually a couple of things in a way, like I mean, 
because because I wrote like a, a chapter basically for each wrestler who has held like these championships and stuff, you have to kind of try to consider whose story it is kind of thing. Like, say if there are two guys involved in a storyline, it's like, okay, so where do I put this storyline? Do I put it? Do I put this say under Tetsuya Endo's thing, or do I put it under Daisuke Sasaki's thing? Like, who is it more impactful for? Who is it more meaningful for? You know, like. You know, cause, and like just the fact that I was writing about the guys as individuals as well when, you know, like, although units in DDT generally tend not to last that long, <laughs> but the storylines are very involved sometimes. And it's like, you know, kind of separating everyone into individuals is quite difficult because... Like even if they are, if you're judging them as individuals or writing about them as individuals, you can't always just ignore the units they were in. You know, like say writing about Daisuke Sasaki without mentioning Damnation is damn near impossible. You know, so you go because that's had a lot to do with his character development and a lot of his storyline stuff. Like you basically you have to talk about Damnation. You know, and it's a lot of other little things like that. And of course, like. In the future, I would like to write another one of these. You know, like basically, like you know, I've been playing with the idea of writing about the tag belts in the future, and you know, you got to save something for the sequel, right? So, <laughs> yeah, like I mean, like because like this time, like I try to focus on the guys more as individuals, and like you know, mentioning the units where it was necessary or important, but basically trying to focus on them as individuals because they are, you know, singles belts. You know, so like. You know, like I have this vision of me, like for the next book, like kind of doing a deep dive, like on them, like as groups, as units, you know. So and like focusing more on the storylines there, because I mean, like that was especially when I was writing about Kota and Kenny. I mm. mean, it's hard to write about one without writing about the other, you know, because yeah. like you know they are just sort of entwined so much and like. You know, like yeah, you, you, you basically you can't really separate them. Like up to a point, you can't really separate them. You know, so mm. you know, like I mean, that's one thing that I am a little nervous about in the future is like, you know, if I got, you know, when I write about a Golden Lovers, it's just like that's gonna take up half a bloody book. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so like it, writing I, about yeah. those two in particular as individuals. You know, like was quite hard. <laughs> you know? I th- yeah, I think that's the thing. I mean, is I think there is a definitive book about the Golden Lovers, in the sense yeah. of there's enough material there for you to write a book. Yeah. You even because they're still writing the story now in AEW, so there's like you oh, know God, yeah. three major wrestling promotions to discuss and <laughs> you know the impact that they've had on those wrestling promotions because mm. you know I as a New Japan fan. I know they're missed in New Japan. They don't have New Japan doesn't have the impact with Western fans that it did two years ago, largely because you know because of Kenny and Kota, and because you don't have, like you said, you can't have one without the other. They mm. one pushes the other one to push the other one, yeah. and you and I think you know if I look back in in wrestling history, there's always been that with say Aji Kong and Manami Toyota. There's always been like that, Ricky Chosu and Tatsu Fujinami. There's always yeah. been that duality for promotion that helps something go through the stratosphere. It goes back to Baber and, and Oakland. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that I think there's a book there in that. You should write it. 
you, but it's just like I mean, it's just one of those things where it's like you know, I have, I, I still have, in fact, like major imposter syndrome about this whole thing. I mean, <laughs> like basically the entire time I was writing it, I felt like I was doing all right, and I felt like you know, to be honest, I was very happy with what I wrote up until the point the thing was published. Like immediately when it came out, I was just like, ah, crap, I could have done this better, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah, like, you know, I was just like, <laughs> it was just like thing gets published instant regret well not instant regret you know i was happy it was published but at the same time i was thinking about all the other stuff that i could have written and it's just like you know i mean like, i i think i still feel like i did a good job but it's like i'm scared to reread it myself in a way <laughs> because everything i left out or everything that you know uh, i could feel like i could have gone into more detail on it's just going to be glaring out at me you know so it's just but you know considering it was my first book you know for a first book i think i did all right <laughs> <laughs> no i think i think you i think you i think you're right i think that's something that writers go through because i had the same feeling when i did if i'd done a big article for like mm. fsm or for one of the magazines it'd be like or when i've interviewed someone i've, I've got to the end of the point i i like interviewed chris daniels and i'm like when he was in when he was ring of a world champion i interviewed chris daniels and i was like there's so many more things I could have asked him. Why did I pick those questions? Because, yeah. you know, because you're trying to not make it a generic interview, but equally people want to know generic stuff or else there's not oh, much God, way to have yeah, an interview. Absolutely. And it's like the last thing you want to do is, you know, you had a match with Mark Briscoe in 1997 in front of 12 people in Garsfoot, Saskatchewan, and like you don't want to do that either. But equally, yeah. you're like, I can understand exactly what you're talking about. Is you, Yeah. And we are just in an a, odd place in the yeah. wrestling world. No, no, I totally, yeah, I totally get it, yeah. But, like, one of the things about writing about, like, wrestling history in particular, like, especially when it's a promotion you're a big fan of, I mean, one thing I really struggled with was the fact that I chose 2022 as, like, my terminal date for it, you know, like, basically, like, you know, because if you try to keep up with everything, I mean, the book's never going to come out, obviously, you know, so you have to pick a time for like okay so okay book the the, the stuff i'm going to write about basically ends on this date but so much stuff happened in ddt this year you know with with regards to like a lot of things so for example like you know like you know yuki ino's whole trajectory for a start you know mm. like you know because he had like a hell of a year with the pheromones you know and like getting <laughs> you know he, he even like when main event of the show like you know he challenged yuji hino for the kod openweight championship and everything and then the pheromones split up and now he's gone all like cookie and great well not crazy but like definitely super duper serious and grunting and making dog noises for some reason and like you know like you know you know, like there's so much, like, you know, like, I mean, obviously I couldn't write about that because it happened in 2023. But, uh, you know, there were certain things I was just like, ah, oh, damn, I wish I could have written about that. <laughs> you know, especially <laughs> like, one, like one big regret was not being able to write about Kazuki Hirata becoming the extreme champion because, I mean, goddamn, he deserved that. You know, like, you know, he is, like, he, you know, because like, well, the thing with Hirata is like, you know, like he's often the butt of a joke or anything, and like people tend not to take him very seriously because of whole dancing gimmick and everything. And like he generally doesn't do a whole lot in the way of quote unquote serious wrestling, but he's a bloody good wrestler, though. You know, like he's actually generally very good at wrestling, and I feel like <laughs> he doesn't get his flowers enough, you know. So it's just like 
at some point, you know, like if when another book comes out, you know, like there's going to be like a big hunk of thing going, by the way, Kazuki Hirata, blah, blah, blah. This is why you should love him. And it's going to go on for like a <laughs> page. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and, and, and it's like that was another thing as well. Like, I mean, I felt like there were certain chapters in that book. Like, I mean, especially when it's you're writing about a company that you love so much, you know, like you're going to be kind of unconsciously or unconsciously playing favorites. You know, like, because, I mean, yeah. Ken Oka was champion. Like, he was KOD Openweight champion for all of three minutes. And I wrote, like, so much about Ken Oka. You know, just <laughs> because I felt like he deserved it. You know, like, he's had, you know, his he, his story is just incredible. You know, like, and I wanted more people to be able to see that side of him. I mean, I feel like, I mean, on paper, it seems like his championship reign really didn't mean very much, you know, because, like, you know, because of how it happened and the fact that it was so short before Kudo kicked his ass and took it back from him. But, <laughs> you know, like, I felt like, you know, those stories were important to tell, you know, like, because I feel like there are a lot of guys in, D uh, you know, even guys who are currently taking part and guys who have, have left or have taken a break, you know, kudo, come back, come on, man. Like, I kind of yeah. feel like there's a lot of people who are so important to DDT's history that kind of have flown under the radar with a lot of fans who only just got into DDT in the last few years. I mean, there's a lot of newer DDT fans who don't know who kudo is, and that's just sad. You know, mm. like, more people need to know who this guy is, and why it's going to be such a bloody big deal when, like, I mean, I've got everything crossed for when he announces he's coming back because he insists he hasn't quit. He's just on a hiatus. And he did have an <laughs> exhibition match at Masata uh, Masahiro Takanashi's produced show like a while ago. Yeah. And it's just like every time he does or says anything, I just keep hoping he's going to just suddenly go, by the way, I'm coming back next week, you know, or something like that, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I just, you know, because, like, you know, he's just so much fun to watch, man. I mean, seriously. But then again, on the flip side, like, you know, on the other side, like, because, I mean, obviously, I wrote a lot about guys because I felt like their stories deserved to be told. And then when, when there were some other guys who was just like, I got to write about this guy. <laughs> you know, because, I mean... I'm not saying I dislike Joey Janela, for example. I don't hate him. I really hate him. Oh, no, no, not bad. Not that bad, really. But <laughs> when, when he became like, the extreme champ, I was just like, oh, damn, really? I got to write about this guy? Oh, man. <laughs> you know, so it's just, you know, there's a couple of entries in there where, you know, it's basically just a fact of now. It's just like, this is this wrestler. This is his history. He became champion by doing this. <laughs> and then this happened and end. <laughs> yeah. I, I, yes. I, yeah. yeah. Like, I, 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 professional I, 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 was hard, yeah, you know, because it was a very, very small part of me just going, oh, this complete fuck world called Joey Janela, right? <laughs> 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 That's yeah. sort of the thing. Like, but I couldn't, because, you know, because it is, I mean, even though it's about something so insane as DDT pro wrestling I, I still wanted to keep an air of you know, at least trying to be a bit professional about it you yeah, know so no. like, I, did, I didn't want to like outright bad mouth anyone or just be like I didn't want to let you know anything 
negative, you know, like influence like any of the mm. contents of the book so much, you know. So, you know, I, like I, think... I wanted I wanted it to be like, you know, a history book first and foremost, you know. But at the same time, I mean, you can see my bias in a few of the entries, like particularly Harashima, as I'm just like, oh my gosh, Harashima's so great. You guys, you gotta watch him. He's so cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, th- I think though, and then it's, I think it's something we both have in common. We both love pro wrestling and we want to be yeah. as positive about it as we can. So yeah. I think it's right for us to like, I mean, people who listen to the Trippany show or have read my writing know I have biases against certain wrestlers. Um, yeah. But it's better for me to be clear about the fact I, I don't like this guy. Yeah. Or I yeah. don't like this girl. I think this match was all right, but I just still don't like these people. Or it's usually mm-hmm. non-wrestling related. It's nothing to do with their careers. It's usually something yeah. they've said or something they've done that I don't particularly like. Um, but I yeah. think that's that's a, I think this that's the issue is like I think a lot of the times people bend over backwards to be as neutral as possible. And I don't think yeah. it works because it's like, you know, there, there are football commentators that love Manchester United and never say anything about it. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, and then fans hate them because it's clearly that they have a bias. And it's like, well, just, just yeah, I like Man United, sorry. That's fine. You know, and yeah. there's nothing wrong. With, yeah, there's nothing wrong with that in that sense because it's, in the day, it's football commentary. It's not the end of the yeah. world if you get it wrong. Yeah. So it's like, yeah, no, if you have a bias as a political commentator, that affects people's lives. That's fair enough. Oh, yeah, yeah. But we like people fake fighting each other in their pants, and I don't think yeah. that's <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the thing that we like is inherently strange, in a way. Yes. <laughs> so it's like, I mean, uh, writing a fully, deadly, 100% serious, no bias, no nothing kind of thing, like, so, I mean, that's never really going to happen in a way. I mean, it's like you could, but I feel like, you know, especially in the case of DDT, I mean, you have to, you know, like, you know, there's so much to love about DDT and like DDT's wrestlers. And you know, there's a lot of guys in there who just like, they do not or did not get their flowers. And like, frankly, they deserve like a field of them. You know, like, <laughs> you know, like guys like, for example, like Poison Sawada Julie. Okay. Like that guy gets so little credit for like everything he did. You know, mm. like, you know, he created the Ironman Championship. He basically, he brought back Union, which led to us getting pro wrestling Basarai, which we still have now, which is great. You know, like, I mean, like, it's, like, in a way, like, I kind of wish, like, there are days where I kind of wish, like, Basara had kind of stuck with DDT in a way, like, and, like, just gotten under the cyber fight umbrella sort of thing. I, But I do understand why they made the decision not to, in a way, you know, because, like, you know, like, I get it, but at the same time, like, I, I wish they were kind of more accessible, you know, because mm. there's a lot of good stuff in Basara as well. Um, So, like, you know, I wanted to write about, like, you know, some of like the related, you know, uh, promotions and stuff like that as well. So that's why I started by like giving basically just a backdrop to things like Union and Pro Wrestling Basara and Gampro and stuff such like, because again, like, I mean, like, it's just, there's so many things that people maybe might not be aware of, or maybe they don't know the whole story about it or something like that. I mean, you know, I think it's good to know how things began, like, even if it's like, even if it's just a smaller promotion, you know, because, I mean, especially when it's a smaller promotion, really, because one thing I did struggle with a lot when I was researching a book 
was finding any kind of sources uh, from before DDT really took off and when they, they you know they started getting kind of more recognition worldwide you know so like it's very hard to find like very detailed information about the very early days of DDT mm. just because they were they started off quite small and maybe people just didn't think to write about them so much yeah. you know and it's just like you know just so finding anything about like say a first like five or six years of DDT is just really really hard you know there's very little to go off you know and it's just you know so like for like for some of like the very early like KOD openweight champions for example you know like exciting Yoshida there was so little info about that guy online and you know, like I was like, you know, picking and picking and picking, like even just the tiniest mentions of him in like blogs or like Wikipedia. You know, because <laughs> I mean, I mean, Wikipedia is not terrible, but like, but is it's not infallible either. You do have to be very careful with anything, like any kind of information you get on Wikipedia. I did not realize how many glaring errors there were, even on like, on Japanese Wikipedia. There are so many bloody mistakes. I didn't notice until I started researching this book, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, like, because you have to double check and triple check oh, yeah. pretty much everything. And I, I was so worried about getting certain dates wrong or certain, getting certain information wrong. I mean, I'm terrible with numbers and dates generally. So, like, that was something I, like, quadruple checked and still felt a bit like, is it really right, though? You know, because uh, yeah, but if if you get it wrong, you'll yeah. get corrected very quickly. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, yeah. I mean, you know, because I mean, I'm I'm amazed. Like, you know, I've actually so far, like, I've had quite a positive reaction to my book, and I'm really happy about that. But mm. I'm just, you know, at the same time, I'm waiting for the Urashu to drop. Like, I'm just waiting for somebody because it's gonna happen. Like, eventually, somebody's gonna read it, and they're just gonna be like in my mentions, be like, well. In a very supportive way, that happened to me a while ago because we did um, we did a a Troopany show on the best of Otto Vance, and I mentioned that CWA was founded in 1977. Yeah, because that's what I'd read on Wikipedia, Um, and the 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 Catch Wrestling Association Museum (laughs) (laughs) suggested. Yeah, they, they didn't start. Why does everyone do this? Because oh <laughs> it's, it's on Wikipedia. That's the reason yeah. why. Um, so yeah, and he was very supportive of me, and it was nice of him to mention it. Yeah, you know, that's like, good. Correct me in a nice way, rather than going. I mean, Wrong. that's the thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think when you're correcting someone, how you do it is very important. Yeah. You know, because yeah. it's very, very, very easy to be a dick on social media. You know, mm. and it's like even if you're not intending to come off that way. Like, you know, like it is, I mean, sometimes it's hard to correct people. Um, some people find it very easy because they feel like they're a- acting a bit superior about the whole thing. Like, ha I knew this thing more than you, but kind of thing. But it's just like, I mean, I think like as a, I, I don't, I don't want to be all like as a woman, but as a woman on social media, <laughs> I do feel like occasionally I do get guys trying to explain things that I really don't need to have explained to me. like. I mean, there is this one in, like interaction I had that was not a bad interaction. If the guy was being really nice, honestly, but it was just a few years ago, right? And like this guy, like uh, you know, he knew I was a big fan of DDT and stuff like that, right? But I don't know if he knew how much of a big fan I was because he was all like, one day he was like, 
hey, Michelle, do you know this guy, Masa Takanashi? And I was like, dude, dude. (laughs) 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 Oh, God. How do I? I mean, it was just. I, ne- I I could have gone off on one and just really rinsed him, but I was just like, I do know who he is, yes. <laughs> I know who he is for quite a long time, actually. You know, like, <laughs> I was just like, bro, really? <laughs> you know, and it's just like, and it's, it happens, I mean, it happens on a, like, a very small scale now, like, say, say if, because, you know, I, I you probably know I often, like, post videos or, you know, photos or something that I take at shows and particularly when Tetsuya Endo does the Burning Star Press I love that move so much it's it always looks beautiful <laughs> and I always try to get a picture of it and I or say like say even if it's like Harashima doing a somato or something like that you know I do like to try to get pictures or videos of those and if they are particularly good ones I'll put them up and be like oh this is beautiful this looks so good you know that kind of thing you know so for example, if I put up like Endo's Burning Star Press, and uh, I'll just be like, "Pro wrestling is beautiful," and uh, well, like occasionally I'll get this. Uh, there's one guy in particular, but like, it happens with a few guys generally. Um, but there's like so there's, uh, there's often comments like, "Yes, that was a beautiful Burning Star Press," or you know, like I'll I'll say you know like, "Oh, I really like <laughs> this part," and they'll be like. Yes, that was a really great insert move name here. You know, and I'm just like, guy, I, I, I know what the move is. I'm just saying, look at it. It's pretty. You know, you don't need to tell me what it is. You know? I, 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 I saw an opposite thing of like yesterday. Delmi Expo did um, uh, Ocean Cyclone Suplex on somebody on um, whatever card she would, company she was working for yesterday. Yeah. It was on one of the videos that clipped it. And the... the, the person didn't know what the name of the move was and it was like tell me expo being innovative on today's xxx show and she was like yeah what should i call it and of course it's like a row of play she yeah. knew what to call it. and there's like 50 yeah. guys going it's a social nice japanese ocean cyclone too oh, <laughs> like, not getting the joke at all but there you go oh, um, i'm gonna ask you mm-hmm. and you've got you've given me a nice in there yeah. uh, you end the book in 2022 and your forward is by Mr. Chris Brooks, who obviously yes. has had a fantastic 2023. And oh, it will just show you how how much, how fast things are, because in the intro, he explains that he's the KOD champion in November. Two weeks yeah. later, as I'm reading the book, he's no longer KOD champion. Yeah. It shows you how fast things move in DDT. It's hard, what? isn't it? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, how... How did you get involved with Chris and uh, did you ask him to do the forward or what was the process uh, there? I think it was, it was Matt actually. I think Matt approached Chris about the possibility of doing the forward and like it seemed like he was really happy to do that. So like, I'm really grateful and like appreciative that he took the time out of his schedule to do that, you know, because that's, you know, like a lot of wrestlers would have just sort of like been like, well, no. <laughs> but you know, I was really happy that, you know, he did that, you know, I mean, I've actually known Chris for quite a long time, like, you know, back in the day, like, you know, like when, like, you know, I think I first started talking on like a couple of years after we first started or something like, and there was another wrestler, like, so like when I was getting into triple six, like, um, I got to know Jumbo Lee Burbridge and Lee's, uh, like, Lee was pretty tight with um, Chris back in the day and uh, like, well, um, because of reasons, like, 
Chris wanted some advice about coming to Japan, like even like way back when, you know. Mm. So like Lee actually introduced me to Chris. And Chris was so super polite the first time he talked to me. Like it was actually really funny thinking about what he's like now. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, but you know, like you know, Chris was a genuinely nice guy. You know, he, and like you know, his love for pro wrestling just really shines through. And like you know, like he's done so many amazing things. Like even before coming to Japan, but especially since coming to Japan, you know, like he's just. You know, he's been knocking out of the park, really, hasn't he? You know, so he's like having I, someone like him writing a forward for like my first book is like it was that was an honor, honestly. Like, I mean, I wouldn't say that about a lot of people, but like, you know, like I was so happy that you know he chose to do that. You know, that was a really good thing. That was such a nice thing for him to do, honestly. I mean, really, <laughs> I, I think I, I think the thing is with Chris, he's one of us, he's a yeah. fan first, yeah. Um, and just happens to be a massively talented wrestler, an incredible storyteller, a wonderful booker when he has the opportunity. If he's given the opportunity to book things, he just does incredible things. He's got such a creative oh, yeah. mind for the business. He's, you know, an all-round package as far as being a pro wrestling mind and body is concerned. And that's, I think, as watching him as a fan, that's how I feel about him. You know, I've been watching him since the progress days. You know, I was... I was there when um, the night the British Strong Style ran rampant over the entire Progress roster, and then him and Kid Lycos's music hits, and the place yes. went nuts. Oh, <laughs> it was nice. just like oh, it was, that was that was like that was one of the best feelings I've had a wrestling show in forty years of watching wrestling. I'm yeah, old. Um, <laughs> and it was just like the place just went mental, and it's like. Yeah he and even like and that could have gone wrong because <laughs> like oh, they'd yeah. never been on progress before they'd wrestled for everybody else but progress and you're oh, like wow. how did this was just perfect and a lot of it comes down to just the presence that he and like us have but also just mm. like the like the mind he has for presentation in professional wrestling and oh yeah what do you th i thought there's a question for you mm. what do you think his effect on ddt has been as well as ddt's effects on him well that's a good one i mean like, I feel like, you know, because whenever I um, see posts from, like, my mutuals on Twitter, like, I keep calling it Twitter, I should call it X, but uh, if he's allowed a dead name, he's kid, I'm allowed a dead name, he's out. <laughs> so, yeah, um, so, yeah, like, whenever I see my timeline on Twitter, right, um, like, I mean, almost, like, I would say a good 50 or, like, you know, up to 75% of the posts that I see about DDT are about Chris in some way, like, you know, like, Chris has just like had this he's got this really amazing ability just to connect with his fans and like even like you know since coming to Japan like even when like his maybe his Japanese wasn't so good back in the day but even with the language barrier he still made that connection and I think that's a very special thing you know so like I feel like there's a lot of people who do come to DDT shows mainly to see Chris or like, you know, at least Chris is the big draw for them essentially, you know? So like, I feel like he's done like, a lot of really good things for DDT. Um, and like, you know, like every, you know, I love seeing Chris talking about his involvement in DDT because like you can tell like, he's, he's very humble about it in a way. Like, you know, he's, like, he acknowledges, you know, like, uh, coming to DDT in, in the first place was just like a really big thing, you know. Like it was so good. It was so good that you know he had that opportunity in the first place. And like I feel like they've 
you know, it's been mutually a really great thing for both DDT and Chris that he came over here. And I think it's generally, it's been like a very positive effect, like especially for getting overseas fans interested in the product. You know, like, I mean, like it does seem like we do have a lot of overseas fans who essentially in, initially got into DDT because Chris was there, you know, and then they hopefully have discovered other DDT wrestlers who they also enjoy and like, you know, they have stuck around because they want to see Chris, you know, which I think is really, really great. You know, like, I mean, the more eyes on DDT, the better, honestly, you know, and I feel like, you know, like having someone like that who can act like as a bridge between like, you know, basically the Japanese fandom and the overseas fandom as well, you know, like, because you, you get a lot of people like even making friends because they like they all like Chris so much, you know, like you get all yeah. the Chris fans kind of talking together in a way that, you know, like, I mean, it happens with the other the fans of the other wrestlers as well, but not to the same extent, I think. It's like I know other Harashima fans, for example, you know how much I love Harashima, right? But mm. it's like. Even when I post about Harashima on Twitter, like I don't always get like a big response for, uh, to it, even from other Harashima fans. But if I write or post anything about Chris, you know, like I often get like you know more replies or more responses, and people go, "Ah, Chris is so cool! Oh my god!" kind of thing. Like even if it's just something little like that, you know, like I do generally get like quite a big positive response from that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, I think. I think as well is like is from what you were saying before, it's kind of like part of the DDT philosophy because obviously they've brought in mm. lots of big names down. I mean, Yunakiyama is probably the biggest name I can think of that yeah. has kind of just molded himself into the DDT mindset because there is yeah. no more there is no more a straight serious wrestler in wrestling history than Yunakiyama, arguably yeah. the best tag team wrestler of all time, triple <laughs> crown champion, GHC yeah. Global One crown champion, made Noah what it is. Then he goes mm-hmm. to DDT and he's like, all right, lads, and just slides into what he needs to do to make yeah. the company better. Yeah. And DDT doesn't change around him. Akiyama changed into DDT. DDT kind of absorbed burning and the whole kind of like, the whole kind of mythology behind Akiyama kind of comes with him and they just adapt it into what they need him to be. And I think as well, there's been a big conversation this week about AEW not being the thing it used to be mm. which i don't necessarily think it is isn't just changing that much but i can understand why yeah. fans are concerned about it oh yeah well how do d how do you think that ddt do that how do they uh, you know they they kind of like adopt parts of wrestling mythology that is not their mythology but quickly yeah. adapt it turn it into their mythology it's it's just like a beautiful big melting pot really i mean like one thing about DDT is like one thing that kind of gets me is when people talk about a certain style of match that DDT does, and it's just like, okay, I can, I see where they're coming from, and like when they describe a match as DDT style, they generally mean like kind of gimmicky matches with lots of funny bits and lots of weird shit happening, and it's like, okay, I get it, totally understandable, but I don't think there is any one particular DDT style because they tend to adopt pretty much anything that works with their audience. I mean, one of the big storylines like back in the day was like Masataka Nashi 
learning a bunch of stuff from Madman Pondo of all people, right? And like, you know, like it, it was a whole thing, like where he was learning how to do death matches and all this kind of stuff. And it was like, it was like some big, it was actually a pretty big deal, you know. Like, and even with like other kind of shows where, like, say, like with people like Shun Makatsumata, for example, like you know, taking part in like Big Japan occasionally and like you know, doing like those kinds of matches there. Like he doesn't seem to have been well, of course he hasn't been able to do that kind of thing for a while, but you know, it's gonna be fun to have him back. Yeah. Like I hope he gets to do more death matches in the future because that definitely seems like something he enjoys. But anyway, getting off topic, yeah, but but you know, there isn't really any one DDT style. You know, like mm. I think any kind of match a DDT wants to do is a DDT style match. You know, yeah. and it's like what's one of the beautiful things about DDT is that you can get so many different types of matches even within a single show or within like a single like you know, you know, within a single year you can see pretty much any type of match that you could possibly be interested in seeing, really. You know, and like one of my favorite things about attending DDT shows is like the occasional mood whiplash that happens. You know, like <laughs> You know, like, you know, because, like, you'll yeah, see no, I... go from something super serious and emotional and, like, people in the audience are crying or wondering what's going to happen next and they're being like, oh, no. And then suddenly, like, here at uh, or Dino's out doing their thing and it's just like, wait, well, okay, yeah, fun time, woo, woo. <laughs> it's just, it is like, you know, I mean, you feel so many different things watching a DDT show, you know, like, it's just... You know, it's just, it's one of the great things about it, you know, it's just like, I mean, there might be times when you don't necessarily think every match on the show is a complete banger, and there might even occasionally be matches that you just outright don't like so much, but there's always going to be something that you will enjoy, like, you know, like, and I think, I think a lot of people who kind of disparage DDT, that kind of they see like a couple of gifts of Dino or Yoshihiko or like Hirata or somebody and like they assume that's all DDT is and they'll be like, oh, mm. that's DDT's style. And it's just like, it's no. part of DDT. It's not the entirety of what DDT is. I I mean, it's very difficult. I would say it's very difficult to have a match which encompasses everything that DDT is because it is so many different things and it has so many different possibilities and that's basically the point of ddt up to you know it's like you know they do more or less everything and like they might put their own spin on it or they might you know you know for example with the you know, actor versus venny you know like the like the one light tube death match that sort of thing or you know that, you know anything like that you know like they might take inspiration from different things or They'll just straight up go, okay, we're having a death match today, or okay, we're gonna do this today, yeah, uh, or we're gonna do mar- we're gonna do martial arts today, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> and it's just like it's basically whatever they think is gonna work, or whatever they think the audience might enjoy, but just kind of put it in there. And like if it works, it works. If it doesn't I, work, they stop doing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we we do cover DDT on the Trooping Show, and we pick out cards we wanna we wanna watch because we. Like we do everything, so we can't yeah. do every promotion. So, but the stuff that seems cool, the GCW crossover shows where it was all female, all death matches all day. Yeah. <laughs> and then the next show, then the next show we watched, or the last show we did was the I did it by myself in the end, but it was um, 
the big, the big show they recently had. So you have Takeshita versus Jericho in a dream match mm. with Hiromu Takahashi in a dance off for the uh, <laughs> championship and Akai's retirement. So you've gone through this roller coaster ride, and it is yeah. the. I think the thing about DDT is it follows the great trajectory of professional wrestling better than most professional wrestling companies do. Yeah. It, it's a three-ring circus. If you don't like the Lions, you might like the guy who's getting shot out of a cannon. Yeah. You know, that's that's the thing. And Absolutely. it's never boring. It's, you know, mm-hmm. they may be six-hour shows, but they fly by because everything's interesting. Yeah. I think, that's I think the, that is the thing. Yeah, I mean, like, Ultimate Party was just wild to attend you know because i mean because i i mean sometimes when you see the card for a show like that you feel kind of intimidated by it it's just like mm. bloody hell there's like a million matches on this thing you know like what <laughs> do you, do? you know and it's like with some companies that's an issue you know with some companies if you're if you're in like there are certain companies where they do a six-hour show and it feels like 20, you know, it's just like, you know, it gets to a point where it's like you, you enjoy it at first and then it kind of starts to drag. And then you're just kind of like you're kind of looking at your watch and wondering what time a bus has stopped running and stuff like that. Like DT's pacing with their big shows is incredible. You know, the time just flies by, you know, yeah. like, you know, because I remember like, you know, being at Ultimate Party and when they got to like, I think. Like when he got to Takeshita versus Jericho, it's just like, like wait, we're at that already? Oh my god! Yeah, but like, yeah. there's not much left to go. Like, what happened? You know that? You know, there's there was so much stuff that happened. You know, like, and up to that point, there was just so many things in that show, and it was just like, I can't believe that much happened in five minutes. You know, like, it just, well, yeah, but it but is, is, as well, it was there's a lot of meaty stuff in that match. From a storytelling yeah. point of view, and you still oh, yeah. had the title match to go. You know, this mm-hmm. the, the KOD champion match to come after that, and it's there's a lot yeah. of brave booking in, in in DDT because they've got so many characters and so many stories to tell, and yeah. they're not afraid to like they're not afraid to run the risk of fatiguing an audience. You know, yeah. you you like if you watch a WWE show or even a New Japan show or an AEW show or an Impact show. They're paced very carefully. There's there's a there's a there's a set of rules you follow, which is very sensible for the audience they have. Um, mm. You know, a mainstream audience has a lesser theoretically has a, a lesser extension span. You know, you're trying to you're trying to please everybody. Whereas DDT, yeah. you're kind of like we do this. If you don't like it, that's fine. But come enjoy it because you'll enjoy it. And I yeah. think that's that. It, it it's a recipe for success in many ways. Absolutely, and it's like it's one of those things that. Sometimes I wonder why DDT isn't more popular than it is, you know, because I kind of feel like, you know, I mean, like, I kind of feel like there could be, like, more interest in it than there currently is, because, I mean, there's definitely been an increase in overseas fans, like, especially since, like, you know, since Wrestle Universe started and, well, since DDT Universe started even, Mm. you know, like, and... You know, ever since they started doing shows overseas more often, you know, like it, it made me so happy when they started, like, you know, r- running shows in America, for example. I was just like, okay, this this is it, you know, like, you know, this could, you know, make them really, really well known. But it's just like, but it's it still kind of feels like there's a way to go, you know, like, because I, yeah. I, I remember like Sancho Takagi saying, uh, you know, like, uh, like years ago, like Takagi said that he wanted to run. DDT's 25th anniversary show at a Tokyo Dome. And of course yeah. that didn't happen, but it's just like there's no reason why it shouldn't happen, but at the same time it's just like it's getting 
that kind of level of interest in DDT, like, I mean, we sh- it shouldn't be as hard as it is. But, like, for whatever <laughs> reason, you know, like, I, f- I kind of feel like DDT could be bigger in a way. <laughs> I think, I mean, I think as well, you are a better place to answer this question than I am, but yeah, it seems to me that DDT, DDT fans are a different set of fans than, say, NOAA fans or New Japan fans yeah. or Old Japan fans because it mm. seems to me they bought into the whole product. And I feel very much the same way um, mm. as, as I felt about Shikara in the yeah. 2010s in the sense of, um, and that was the first time I was really exposed to DDT stars because Michael Nakazawa and uh, Kotobushi came over while they were still with DDT. Yeah. And, um, and I think they've bought into the product as this is our wrestling and it doesn't yeah. have to be, what Noah do and it doesn't have to be what all Japan do or, or New Japan do. This is yeah. our wrestling and we like wrestling like this and this is ours. Yes. And I, I think that isn't a, a lot of wrestling fans will say, well, it doesn't kind of follow the rules of what wrestling's supposed to be. But it's like, yes, but Vince McMahon didn't follow the rules of what wrestling is supposed to be and he yeah. did all right. And, yeah. You know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. I think, yeah. I think, I think there's a, and it, is, it basically goes down to what, what I think as well, the philosophy of what a casual fan is, which I don't think really exists anymore. Um, yeah. In the sense of, you know, I don't think you have to do the things in the same way what a traditional wrestling company does. And DDT follows a lot of traditional wrestling rules and tropes of heels mm. and faces and, you yeah. know, the, the storylines and stuff. It's just yeah. done in a much bigger pantomime way and there's nothing wrong with that. And Exactly, I agree yeah. with you because I think I think it is I think it can appeal to people who aren't wrestling fans in a way that say Noah can't. Yeah. If you see what I mean. Not that there's anything wrong with Noah. Love Noah. Great company, a wonderful wrestling organization. But it's yeah. got a very straight path as to what Noah do. And you can't yes. you know, there was like, ooh, they've got women on their show now. Yeah. <laughs> when they started booking women on a regular basis, like Miss Al will be spinning in his grave. No, he wouldn't. <laughs> but you know what I mean it's, it's like yeah. whereas DDT can be anything DDT fans want DDT to be yeah and I think that's I think that's a, a thing that's that is perhaps missed on our more ardent brethren and sisterhood of wrestling yeah. fans who like their wrestling to be wrestling for yeah but it's just a problem with the whole we want wrestling to be wrestling crowd is like you know like I mean it's almost like a slippery slope in a way because I mean you do get some really serious guys who are just basically think that all wrestlers should be uber duper, super duper serious all the time. They should be at least six foot tall and they should all wear black trunks and just do, <laughs> you know, and a body slam should be a finisher, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> you know, like, there's always going to be people who, you know, like, I'm more serious than you kind of thing. You know, and it's just, yeah, yeah. And it's just like I kind of feel like wrestling is inherently not a serious thing. Like you can take wrestling seriously, but wrestling in itself, if you think about it too hard, you know, it's not really, it's not that serious in a way. If you if you know what I mean, like it can yeah. definitely, yeah, it's like definitely take it seriously, yeah. But like you have to also understand that it is inherently. I mean, it's not. I wouldn't. I don't want to use the word ridiculous here, but in a way, it kind of is. You know? <laughs> yeah, and it's just like you kind of have to accept that side of it in a way. Like, I mean, and like DDT does take it to extremes. I mean, DDT fans 
you know, when we are watching a Yoshihiko match, we will swear up and down that Yoshihiko is a living, breathing wrestler. You know, Yoshihiko is not a doll. You know, he's an actual competitor in this fight. And when he is mistreated, like, say, if people, like, are spinning him around or flinging him out of a ring or something, people generally, you know, get annoyed about that, you know, and they'll boo the other guy for mistreating Yoshihiko, you know, because that's going too far. (laughs) Yeah? And it's just like, yeah, I mean, that's part of the fun of it, though. It's just like, you know, because it is basically everything everybody loves about wrestling, but taken to its, like, almost illogical conclusion, in a way. You know? (laughs) And it's just like, you kind of, you have to respect a company that is willing to take refuge in audacity in the way that DDT does, you know, because like, you know, they look at the possibilities of wrestling and like what kind of stories can be told of it. And they tell so many different types of stories. You know, you can have on the one hand, like a very, very serious kind of thing. Like, you know, you got this. You got this guy being like, "Oh, I'm so serious about becoming KOD Openweight Champion. This is my road to victory." You know, like, and just like, you know, and having like very serious storylines like that. And then it goes all the way through that to like, "Oh, look, here's Pokotan. What's he doing?" You know, "Oh no, Keisuke Ishii took t- kicked his head off." Oh god, yeah. But- <laughs> Now, that was one of my favorite things that I saw live was Keisuke Ishii kicking Pokotan's head off. I actually got a video <laughs> of it and only just, like, I mean, I posted it online. I'll have to try and find it later, right? But I was videoing this part and, like, and Pokotan was having his ass handed to him by a few different wrestlers. And then it just ended with Ishii coming out of nowhere with a knee kick and just taking his head off. And then, it, then he got pinned, you know, and like, I was laughing <laughs> so hard. Like, I mean, I was holding a camera and like when his head came off, I was just like, ah! you know, like, I was cackling. It was the most amazing <laughs> thing, you know, like, it's like, it's just, it's so nice seeing those kinds of reactions from other fans as well, though. I mean, like, you know, just like, there's nothing like being in a room full of people who get it. In a way, you yeah. know, it's just, yeah. you know, I mean, like, at going, like, I'm so lucky and I consider myself very fortunate to be able to attend DDT shows very regularly. You know, I mean, like, like the only Korakuen Hall show that I am missing this year is the one that's happening this month because mm. I'm actually visiting England for Christmas, you know, to see my family right. and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, that is basically the only DDT correct when I'm missing this. Yeah, like I've been to, I went to all the other ones plus some other ones like, on the side, you know, like, you know, and it's just like, no matter how I'm feeling on the day, like I can be having like the worst day on record, you know, like just like, <laughs> oh, the weather's terrible. I'm having a bad time at work. My pet's heads are falling off, you know, that kind of thing. Mm. And then I go to a DDT show and I'm just like, everybody is just, kind of in on it you know like you know everybody you know just is there to be positive and just show love for ddt and like everything that happens in the show you know because it's just like when you're at a ddt show i mean it's just you never get people who are gonna boo hirata for dancing for example you know you're never gonna get i mean you don't get people booing very often in ddt to start with unless they are being like pantomime villain bad you know, <laughs> so you have to be kind of like, 
Yeah, I would have to be a pantomime bit villain or literally the biggest dickhead in the world to get booed at DDT. You know, that's just yeah. how it works. You know, and it's just, you know, everybody's just having a great time. You know, it's just, it's such, it's just such a nice atmosphere at DDT. Aww. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've got one last question for you. Mr. Asia? Matt Chapman, who is your illustrator for this book, how did the relationship with him blossom to being this point? Because Matt, and I, I've reviewed lots of his books before, and mm. Matt's an awesome person, and he's a really great writer as well as a great oh, illustrator. Oh, yeah, he's great. Yeah. So how did that relationship start, and um, how was the process working with him? I mean, we'd been following each other on Twitter for quite a few years um, before, you know, because, like, you know, I'm a big fan of his art, and, like, I always really love it whenever, like, he puts anything up from, like, any of the promotions I like, but especially DDT, of course, but, you know, <laughs> like, whenever he, like, has any pictures of, like, anybody, I'm like, I'm just like, oh, yay, you know, and this, you know, I just really love, like, you know, he's just a very positive person as well, you know, like, he's just, he's very open-minded and just, you know, he's very, you know, he's very passionate about wrestling, but he's also very positive about it, you know, like, you know, you don't get like any weird old Twitter threads from him, go, like just fetching about, you know, something very, very minuscule that happened at a show or something like that. You know, like, you know, I actually actively look forward to seeing his posts on social media, you know, because he's just a very positive force for the community in general. And like, he's obviously very knowledgeable as well. Like, you know, like he knows like so much. And it's just like, it's, it's just kind of nice to see someone like that. And like, I mean, the whole thing with the book actually came about, like, he just, you know, he sent me a DM, like, a, like one day a few years ago, just going, hey, Michelle, would you be interested in writing a book about DDT? And I was just like, hell yeah, sign me up. Yeah, let's go. <laughs> and, yeah, it was just like, I was actually very, I was so flattered as well, because it's just like, you know, I think he recognized that I do know my stuff about DDT. And like, obviously, I'm very passionate about DDT as a promotion and its history is i mean ddt's history is just a really really fascinating thing and i really hope to be able to go into more detail on it in future books you know like you know like ideally i'd have like multiple books about ddt you know so <laughs> you know like you know when he approached me about doing it i mean i was kind of nervous about it at first because obviously like prior to that i mean i've got my blog which is making a comeback at some point you know like when i've got time <laughs> Um, but you know, I, obviously he knew about my blog and like, you know, how I write about, I, you know, I write about shows and like, I translate interviews from weekly pro wrestling and stuff like that. And, you know, like, I think, you know, I think he just felt like I was, I, you know, I'm very happy that he felt like I was the right person to do this, you know? So, you know, like I'm, I, I'm extremely grateful to him for offering that kind of opportunity, you know, because you know, opportunities like that are very few and far between generally, but, you know, like, I was just kind of like, you know, this actually sounds like something I feel like I would be, you know, right to, you know, right for, you know, like, mm. you know, like, I mean, I feel like a lot of people could write about DDT, but, you know, I mean, like, I, you know, so I, I just, I was just really, really happy that I was, you know, well, in a way, the chosen one, I guess, um, <laughs> It's just like, you know, it was just such an interesting opportunity. And I felt like, you know, it could put my existing knowledge to use, but also I could add to that like during the research as well. Because, I mean, I love DDT very, very much, but I don't know everything about it, you know, but I can mm. learn more about it and 
I can show what I've learned to other people. And I feel like that's a really great thing to be able to do, you know, and I, I'll always be grateful to him for asking me to do that because, you know, like that was, you know, that, that actually, uh, you know, it showed that he appreciated my knowledge and like my, you know, fandom and my love for DDT. I mean, you know, like there's something very special about being able to write a book about something you love so much. And I feel like, you know, but I mean, it was hard. I mean, writing a book is hard, <laughs> right? So <laughs> it was one of the most enjoyable experiences like I've had as a writer generally, you know, because and I, the fact that I can actually, I, I almost feel like I can finally call myself a writer, even though I've been writing about wrestling for like a long ass time, you know, because <laughs> I'm a blogger. <laughs> but, you know, like, you know, I mean, like, you know, it's different when you've actually got a book out, you know, it's yeah, like, yeah. God, I've, I've written a book, you know, <laughs> it's, like, it's the most insane thing, but, you know, it's all because of him, you know, like, you know, it was him, it, he was, it was basically his idea, and like, he, you know, I, 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 I will always uh, be very grateful to him for that, you know, he's a very talented individual, and a very knowledgeable individual in his own right, and the fact that, he thought I was good enough to write this book in the first place. You know I mean, that's nothing short of a miracle, honestly, <laughs> you know, like, so, <laughs> you know, I'm just, I'm so thankful to him for everything really, you know, like, cause I've had a really good time writing this book and like, hopefully in the future I can write uh, dramatic dreams to electric boogaloo and get right into like the units and the tag titles and everything, you know, cause it, it's just, it's so much fun writing about DDT. <laughs> like, I gotta write about, I mean, you know, about one match where Nasawa Rongai lost the Extreme Championship because he farted. You know, like, how many <laughs> people get to write about stuff like that? You know, that's yeah, amazing. That's yeah. oh, it's awesome. Um, <laughs> thank you so much for joining us because this has been a blast of an interview and I hope yeah, everybody I enjoys really listening to it as well. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, it's been great. <laughs> I have to be thankful for you to for you as well because I often like ask you questions because when I don't get stuff um, specifically, usually about Glate, because um, yeah. I don't necessarily get the resonance of um, aprons. Yeah. I think Glate I'm glad they interesting. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, we we have myself and Mr. Marcus Green, um, who we, we have actually managed to review. I think every Glate show since episode 18 i think they've got one and today don't forget they me. have got one today yeah we do yeah. we do them every two weeks Lovely. <laughs> <laughs> he, he, yeah and is and i and and clay is my favorite thing um as much as yeah. you love ddt I'm, i love Glate as just as much and yeah. um oh yeah so great, thank you. great fun yeah i actually really like going to Glate shows yeah yeah <laughs> like that, was... like, that presentation is so good you know yeah that's, that's yeah. the thing it's just it looks amazing <laughs> and, yeah. everybody, everybody works so hard and the storylines are really cool and it's such a different type of promotion that it's kind of wrestling built for me a lot of shooty yeah. stuff and, and, and big brawling stuff and a lot of, it's just, it's again, it's a wonderful thing um, yeah. so I thank you for your help with those things when I need it yeah, no problem, well. yeah, absolutely we appreciate it, thank you so much <laughs> okay, no problem where can we find you on the internet and on social media and where can we buy the book from Okay, so um, so I can be found on Twitter. Um, if you just look for like you know the Queen of Tokyo, you'll probably find me. Like you know, because I usually 
I mean, that started in such a stupid way, right? Because I just did that on a whim one day after arriving back from a trip to England. And I was just like, I was half insane from jet lag. And I just took a picture on the way back to my apartment. Like, cause it's a kind of little area of where I live that I quite like. I just took a quick picture. And I was like, the queen of Tokyo has returned. <laughs> and I got a bunch more attention than my tweets generally get. So it's just like, you know, it's not it. Let's just do that for all the wrestling shows. Yeah. So, you know, so, yeah. If you search for the queen of Tokyo or if you search for like my Twitter handle is like pro wrestling Kaiwa because um, like a Kaiwa just means like, you know, English conversation. Um, so it's a pro wrestling, you know, English conversation. Yeah. So pro wrestling Kaiwa. Um, or if you um, if you look on uh, if you want to find my book, you can find it on Amazon. Uh, Dramatic dreams and those who have them available in paperback and uh, in like uh, ebook form. And if you are in certain areas, you can even get it in hardback. But apparently, one of those areas is not Japan, so I only have it in paperback. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so you can you can find Dramatic Dreams and those who have them on Amazon. Please buy it. It's a it's a really great book and full of amazing illustrations by Matt Charlton. Um, it's got a lovely foreword by Chris Brooks, who even addresses me as the Queen of Tokyo. Good for him. Um, and, uh, you know, that like, did make me smile when I read that. Of course, I wrote the rest of it. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> um, if you look, all could have, uh, have a look at that, I'd appreciate it. Cheers. <laughs> Buy it as a Christmas present for someone, you know, it's that time of year. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, thank you for being on with us today. Um, and thank yep. you for joining us at World Wrestling News. Um, you can find you. World Wrestling News at World Wrestling at 3W Wrestling on Twitter and on Instagram as well. Um, and you hope you've enjoyed our interview and chat today. Take care. Okay, bye. <laughs> <laughs> I have thoroughly enjoyed talking with Michelle. She's an awesome human being. She does awesome things. Is wonderfully positive about the wrestling community online and is always there to help a wrestling fan with information, including me sometimes, as you heard in that interview. Thank you very much for listening to the Troopany Show today. Thank you very much for listening. Go following 3W Wrestling online. We hope you enjoy them there. They're on, they're on Twitter. We're looking to grow our little empire. Um, but at the moment, we're a YouTube channel that does interviews. Um, and this week, we did an interview with Shawn Michaels. Like I said, Michelle gets to have her fame uh, let's get her name next to Shawn Michaels on our YouTube account. Um, that's covering the NXT event that's, uh, that happened yesterday. In the meantime, thank you very much for listening to the Troopany Show. Next week we'll be talking Glate, as we have a big Glate show today as well, as the Glate show that was earlier in the week. And pretty soon we'll go to the year-end awards and we'll be heading towards New Year's and Christmas week in Japan, which we will be doing a review of, I hope. If I can get someone to come and talk to me about it with, with me, that would be awesome too. So thank you very much for listening to the Troopany Show. You can find us at Troopany Show on Twitter and at the Troopany Show on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram at the Troopany Show and on Patreon on the Troopany Show. You can keep us free forever for everyone. My name is James Troopany. You can find me at Sheriff Lonestar on Twitter and Sheriff Lonestar TX on Instagram. Take care. See you soon. And have a lovely week. Bye.